All right, good morning, Trace. How are we feeling this morning? <laughs> well, I'm sorry you're at church, I guess. <laughs> I just, I, I was not planning on saying this, but I'm looking out at this room and thank you so much for everybody that made the move from 9.30 to 11. And if you want more room, there's more room at 9.30 now, but truly thank you for all of you that made that, made that move for us. Hey, we are excited to have each and every one of you with us today. And next week is Easter. Yeah, yep. One of two Sundays that people are the most likely to accept an invitation, especially if that invitation comes from you. I've been inviting anybody and everybody that will give me the time of day to extend that invitation to them. I've found a unique way to start asking people, and so feel free to steal this if you want to steal it, and, it's, and this is how I ask it. Hey, have you found a church to celebrate Easter at yet? And it kind of assumes that they should be looking for a church to celebrate Easter. And I think it's a great way to ask that question because I don't know about you, but we come and we celebrate. And I think everybody should celebrate next week because we don't, we don't worship a God that stayed in a grave. We worship a God that came out of that grave and now gives us new life. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage you to be bold with those invitations. I pray that God burdens you this week to extend as many of those invitations as possible. And here's what I'd like to do. Uh, and kind of to pray and prepare for what God could do and the people that you're extending those invitations with. And you've heard me say this before, like don't say no for them. You'd be surprised what's happening behind the scenes in their life right now that might position them to accept an invitation for the first time in their life. And so I wanna pray over that, if that's okay. I wanna pray for God to go ahead of us in those invitations. And so let's do that right now. God, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for being a God that leans down to listen. God, that you show us throughout the scriptures that your posturing is towards us, not away from us. And so God, right now, we just pray that you would go ahead of us as we extend those invitations and the people that receive them, God, we don't know what's going on in their life, but you do. And Lord, it's not about getting a bunch of people in this building. That's not, that's not what we celebrate. We celebrate the message that will be delivered in this building the message of the gospel, the message of your son, Jesus, that is ready to embrace people far from you. And so God, burden us, give us boldness to extend those invitations this week, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Well, we are continuing in a series today called Mantras, where we're taking a deeper dive. Actually, let me back up. I just skipped over the front part of my sermon. So I'm gonna back up, I'm gonna start again. Ready? How many of you have recognized how many of you have recognized that we live in a divided world, right? If you're paying attention at all, you know everything is happening over in Ukraine right now and how absolutely devastating it is. It breaks my heart and no doubt it breaks your heart, right? But it's a reminder to each and every one of us of how prevalent evil still is in our world to which we say, come Lord Jesus. How many of you have recognized that we live in a divided country, right? Whether it's politics, it's Republican, it's Democrat, it's you know, Black Lives Matter, it's Blue Lives Matter, it's anti-masks or masks or vaccine or anti-vaccine or electric cars versus gasoline cars. Actually, we would all take an electric car right now, wouldn't we? <laughs> Based on what we're paying at the pump. And so I may be a little bit biased, but do you know what I think a divided world needs? Do you know what I think a divided nation needs? A united church. And do you know what I think would unite us potentially more than anything else? It's if we get the subjects of truth 
and grace right. I want you to hold that thought. Now, today we're continuing in a series called Mantras, where we're taking a deeper dive into these four particular mantras that we hold to as a church, that we elevate truth and grace, that we extend hope when life hurts, that we embrace those far from God. And once again, this is the message I'm gonna be preaching next week. There's nothing special about me, but I promise you, everyone needs to hear that message. And so I wanna continue just to put it in front of you, get as many people here as you can, because next week I'm gonna talk about how we embrace those far from God. And then we empower everyone to share the gospel. Now, mantras in short is just a statement that's repeated over and over. But for us, these are not just statements we want repeated. These are statements that we want to be a part of our reality. I want them to be a part of your reality. I don't want to just say them a lot. I want to show them to a lost and broken world. And we could have picked any four statements. We really could have, right? There's a lot of statements that could have made this list. So why did we choose these four we believe these four statements potentially best represent the ministry and the motivation of Jesus. And today, we're gonna look at this one, you probably guessed it, that we elevate truth and grace. And if you're new here to Trace, you probably don't know this, but this is our namesake. We took the word truth and we put it with the word grace to get the name Trace, and you know we make this joke a lot. We could have done grace and truth, but growth just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Yeah, and it's incredibly important that these are important to you. And it's incredibly important that they should be front and center for us here as a church. And I would say they become the backbone for us as a church. Now, why? Why are they so important? Because Jesus was full of them both. In, God, I'm sorry, in John's gospel, chapter one, it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full, everybody say full, full of grace and truth. And it's incredibly important that you understand this idea of fullness. The Greek word there is play race. And this, this Greek word play race means to be kind of filled to the brim, to be thoroughly full of something. And we need to focus on this idea of fullness. It's not a balance of both, but this idea of the fullness of both because Jesus came full of both. And we believe God's grace, it saves. And God's truth, it frees. So let me ask you a question this morning. Does anyone wanna be halfway saved? Does anyone want to be partially set free? No, grace fully saves and God's truth fully sets us free. And this is a promise that I want to live in. This is a promise that I hope that you want to live in. But this is actually where tension enters the conversation because most Christians, listen to me, most Christians err on one side or the other. Most Christians dive so deeply into grace that they do so at the expense of truth. Some Christians would say they're all in on God's truth, but unfortunately they do so at the expense of grace. Has anyone ever met a Christian who's lopsided in truth? Like just take a moment, because for some of us, maybe you've met this Christian who's lopsided in truth and man, they probably heap some guilt on you potentially made you wanna walk away from God's church, potentially made you feel like you weren't good enough for God's grace. You see, these people are people who like to point out the sins 
and other people, oftentimes kind of doing so from a distance, right? Because if you don't have to get close to people and maybe get into the mess of their life, it's kind of easier just to kind of cast stones from a distance, to label them from a distance, right? It's people in this camp that would say that we need to start preaching hell more often, right? We need to start turning the heat up in here and start preaching hell more often. We need to be preaching hell more and scaring the hell into these young people with their ripped jeans and their tattoos. The Bible actually says that. Not the ripped jeans part, but in Leviticus, yeah, it does say that we shouldn't mark our bodies. But the verse right before that says that you shouldn't cut the hair on the sides of your head or trim your beard. And the only person that I know that's a part of this church that hasn't done that is Spencer Burdan because he's bald and he's got the most beautiful beard I've ever seen. I covet that man's beard. I've sinned before God and man every time I see it. He was in here last service. He, he allowed me to have him stand up and uh, I told people he loves when people come touch it. And it got weird. It got weird. And, <laughs> hey, this is free. And I'm just going to say this on a side note. God's entire word is true. It's inspired by him. You need to read the whole thing. You need to study the whole thing. And we've got an old covenant and we've got a new covenant. The old covenant was for a specific time, for a specific group of people, the Israelites. And so you just need to know this, even though it's completely true, it's not your covenant. When Jesus came, he came to put an end, a necessary end to a covenant with Israel. And what he brought was such a better covenant. He brought the covenant of grace. And again, that's free, it's just a side note. So maybe you've encountered people like this. Maybe this is what's been hard for you. Maybe you've had to recover from this. Maybe it's taken you some time to learn about the grace of God because what you grew up underneath, maybe it was a church, maybe it was a home, completely misrepresented the heart of your heavenly father. And I should say people in this camp, things like forgiveness, and compassion and empathy are in short supply. But then we have people in this camp, people that are all in for God's grace, but at the expense of truth. People in this camp might become a little bit too flippant about sin in their life, right? People in this camp maybe have helped you to feel good about a struggle or a problem, but there's no accountability there's no conviction. Maybe they avoid the harder teachings of scripture. People in the all grace camp may say something like this, sin isn't that big of a deal, man. It's all about God's grace, man. Just live your life and do your thing. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. We all have been set free by Jesus. It's all gonna turn out in the end, man. Kind of sound like I'm from a Cheech and Chong movie or something right now. I don't know what just happened. But things like accountability, and boundaries and conviction are in short supply in this seat. People who are all in for God's grace at the expense of truth, unfortunately, take God's forgiveness, but don't accept his call to obedience. You see, somewhere along the way, they've gotten confused. Somewhere along the way, maybe something was misrepresented to them that yes, even though God has given us forgiveness, that never should lead to a flippancy about sin, just the opposite. Let me show you what the apostle Paul says when he wrote to the church in Rome. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Isn't it awesome to see that represented to us? When that person goes underneath that water, it's a sign of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus only to come out of that water in representation of walking in new life. So let me read it again. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And church, it is new life in Christ that should wage war against the sin in our life, not become flippant about it. We need to wage war against the sin in our life, not freely and willingly just stepping into it. If you've been coming here for any amount of time, you might remember me of saying this. If sin doesn't lose its appeal as you mature in Christ, you are not maturing in Christ. You see, these two extremes, unfortunately, can cause a lot of problems for the church. And honestly, they have in the all truth camp, we have this spirit of legalism. And if you're new to the church, just a quick breakdown of legalism where it's like, hey, just follow these rules, do all these things. And if you do, then you're a good Christian as if you're, you're earning God's love. But that's not the case for what Christ came to give us. It's nothing about what we can earn on our own doing. It's about everything that he did on our behalf. So in the truth camp, you're gonna find legalism. You're gonna find rules over relationship. You're gonna find behavioral modification over embracing the grace of God. And let me be honest with you. I've met way too many people, unfortunately. I've met way too many people that have grown up in a church like that or a home like that. And I've watched them do one of three things oftentimes. They either rebel, they feel guilt-ridden because of this pressure they were under their whole life, or they run far away. And if I can just speak freely, I don't know if I blame them. But what about grace without truth? Grace without truth leads to relativism. Over here, it dismisses the hard teachings of scripture. Over here, you may have people who would say that we're all deserving of God's grace, which is an oxymoron. When as soon as you say that we're deserving of God's grace. You're not even communicating grace because by definition, grace is undeserving. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. So nobody gets to say, we talked about this last week in Ephesians 2 where it said it's a gift of God, not, not by work so that no person can boast because nobody gets to say, hey, look what I did to receive God's grace. No, we point to a cross and a savior and say, look what he did so that we could receive the grace of God. Maybe over here you, you would have somebody say, yeah, man, but you know, my God, you ever heard people say this? My God wants me to be happy. My God wants me to do what's right for me. To which I would look at them and candidly say, then you worship a pathetic God. Because our God, he came full of both grace and truth. And in the grace side of things, you don't ever have to worry if you've done enough because Christ did it all for you. And the truth side of things, God is calling you to new life, to be obedient to what he's given us, the instruction he's given us in scripture, not because he doesn't want us to have fun, because it actually leads to a better and more fulfilling life. 
And guys, here's the problem. The person sitting in this chair is brand new to all of it. Maybe God's convicted them here recently. Maybe this represents you today. Maybe this is the first time you've come to a church in a long time or for the first time and God's been doing something in your life and you finally came to church or you started pursuing Jesus and depending on which Christian you meet first will greatly depend on how you follow Jesus. Let me say that differently. Will probably greatly depend on how long you follow Jesus. You see why it's critically important that we get both of these right, that we pursue the fullness of both of these play race because our God, Jesus specifically, came full of both because grace saves, church. Grace saves and truth frees. Grace is God saying, come to me, and truth is saying to God, please guide me. Grace is God meeting us just where we are and truth is God saying, don't stay as you are. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve and truth is us giving God everything we have. Grace is God leaning in our direction while truth is us leaning in his. Grace is the free gift of God through Christ Jesus and truth is us picking up our cross and following him daily. Grace is not about your behavior, but truth should lead us to obedience because now we belong to a savior. Anybody wanna say amen this morning? Too many churches, I'm gonna switch gears just a little bit here. Too many churches have created cultures, oftentimes unintentionally, that have led people to think, unless I behave, I can't belong here. Has anybody ever showed up at a church and you thought to yourself, I am way too messy for this church. Like if this church actually knew what was happening behind the scenes of my life, I don't think they would welcome me here. Listen to me, not this church, not this church. You can belong here before you believe. Why? Because I believe everyone needs a place and a person that will pick them up, especially when they've messed up. Can I say it again? Because somebody needs to hear it. I believe everyone needs a place and a person that will pick them up, especially when they've messed up. I know this guy right here did. We unapologetically say this around here at Trace, that we're a messy church. We're a messy church where people can stop pretending. And you need to know this, you need to know this. You desperately, you desperately need to stop pretending if you wanna find the new life that Jesus came to give you. Let me say it this way. Until you're ready to reveal truth, I don't think you're ready to receive grace. Let me say it again, until you are ready to reveal truth, you won't be ready to receive God's grace. And so what is truth? Let me remind you of what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six. He said, I am the way and I am the what? Truth. And if Jesus is the truth, then that makes us read John chapter eight, verse 32 a little differently. A little differently, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's Jesus. Trace, it is incredibly hard to receive the grace of God when you're hiding from the truth. And when we hide from the truth, we almost instinctively start lying to ourselves. And I'm gonna say something, and I promise you, this is going to help somebody if you'll just grab what I say next. Today, today I want you to stop lying to yourself even when it makes you feel bad about yourself. 
Let that settle. Today, I want you to stop lying to yourself, even when it makes you feel bad about yourself. Why? Because truth will set you free. It'll set you free. And yes, I understand that there's an outside unbelieving world out there that often sees truth, specifically absolute truth, as this repressive or limiting thing. But if people can finally just learn that truth is not a what, <laughs> but it's a who, it's not repressive, it's not limiting, it's liberating, and it's redemptive. Now, is the truth of God hard to hear sometimes? Is the truth of Jesus hard to hear sometimes? Yes, absolutely is. But just because it's hard does not make it any less true. Just because it's hard does not make it any less true. But this is also why I believe that Jesus often led with grace, like almost exclusively, not always, but almost exclusively, Jesus would lead with grace and then he would back it up with truth. Why do I think that he did that? Because I believe if he led with truth, it would crush us. Honestly, it would crush us. Because you wanna hear the truth? Ready, here's the truth. You are unworthy of God's forgiveness. Nothing you can ever do will bring you back to God because of your sinful and rebellious nature. And you deserve hell on your best day. That's the truth. Like, let's pray and go home, right? But Jesus, I love this part. <laughs> but Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you and give you eternal life. He said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Jesus knows the truth, guys. He knows that right now your heart's bruised. Your will feels broken. Your soul, a little beat up. He knows all your hurts. He knows all your habits. He knows all your hangups. But he said, I didn't come from the healthy. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Anybody else thankful for that? <laughs> Jesus came to give us new life. A new life that should be represented in both truth, the fullness of both truth and grace because grace saves. Grace saves and truth sets us free. But until you're ready to reveal truth, you will not be ready to receive God's grace. Which is why I believe our best chance of living in this fullness that we've been talking about up till now, our best chance of not just living in it, but standing firm in it, is to practice the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance. Some of you guys didn't wanna hear that today. But I believe it to the bottom of my toes. If we wanna stand firm in God's promise that grace saves and truth frees, we need to be reminded of the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance. I believe that James, the brother of Jesus, said it best in James chapter five, verse 16. He said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So that begs the question, what happens when we don't confess? kind of brings new light to a statement we make a lot around here. You can't hide, church. You can't hide and heal at the same time. Guys, to be 99% known is to be completely unknown. Let me say it again so it sinks in. To be 99% known is to be completely unknown. 
holding on to that 1%, at fear of what may happen if you actually reveal what's happening behind the scenes in your life, will give the enemy everything that he needs to wreck you, to wreck you. Holding on to that 1% allows the enemy to have a playground in your life. If you don't know this, the greatest scheme, if you ask me, the greatest scheme of our enemy is to convince you that you can't win. That's what he's trying to convince you at, even this morning, can convince you of. But we believe that grace saves and truth, it frees. So here's what I wanna do today. It's gonna make some of you nervous and that's okay. Today we're gonna practice the ongoing ethic of confession and repentance. In the seat back pocket in front of you, there are some three by five cards. And today we're gonna write out a confession. And I'm gonna help some of you get started and listen to me, everybody write something because that person that really needs to get this out today, even though some of you may not take this seriously, for, the, for that person that needs to get this out today, I don't want them looking around, and, is anybody else writing? Because if I'm the only one writing, man, everybody's gonna think that I've got some big problems in my life, listen to me, that's the enemy. I wanna let somebody know this morning, we've all got problems in our life. We are all broken, it just looks different for each of us. And so let me help some of you get started because this is the truth for somebody in here, for several people in here. Maybe you start with, I've been struggling with this for so long and I don't know how to overcome it. Maybe for somebody else is, this has been following me for the majority of my life and I thought it would go away, but it won't. And I'm not sure what to do about it. He doesn't know, she doesn't know. And if they found out, I'm not sure what would happen. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to admit. Today, we're gonna practice the ongoing ethic of confession and repentance because it brings healing, church. And so I want everybody to write something. And after you write it out, whatever that is, and feel free to move around the room if you don't, you know, if you think somebody's kind of looking over your shoulder or something. And by the way, don't look over anybody's shoulder. Like, that's weird. <clears throat> but go over to the wall, come up to the stage if you want to, find a, something that you can write on that has a hard surface behind it. Whatever you need to do, spread out a little bit. And then after you're done during our response time, there are two little baskets up here on the sides of the stage where those white towels are. And I want you to drop them in there. And I wanna let you know this ahead of time. Um, nobody's gonna know, we don't want anybody's name on it, nobody's gonna know what you said, but I am going to use this um, in an element of my sermon next week, and honestly, I think it's gonna be powerful. And so I want you to write it out, whatever it is. Hopefully I help some of you get started in whatever that is. All of us have something that we need to get off our chest. All of us have something that potentially we've been hiding from. And I believe that until you're ready to reveal truth, you are not ready to receive God's grace. Get this stuff out of you, it becomes poison if you don't. And so I'm gonna give you that opportunity. And so this is what this response time is gonna look like. For those of us who claim the name of Jesus and have made him the leader and Lord of our life and have accepted his free gift of grace, it was free, it didn't come cheap though, did it? 
came on the other end of his life on a Roman crucifixion. But we go to these tables around the room that have these little cups, and in those cups are some juice that represent the spilled blood of Jesus that was given so that our sins could be forgiven. It was a perfect sacrifice. And then in those cups is also a little wafer that represents his body, a real physical body that hung on a cross for you. And we're gonna write out these confessions and (laughs) these next two songs, listen to me, these next two songs that we're gonna sing together as a church are probably two of the best songs that will help us to embrace this moment. They're gonna minister to your soul, I promise they will. And so as you're singing them, if you wanna just take a little bit more time to write that out, and then as soon as you're ready, come up and drop them in the baskets up here on the side of the stage. If you need somebody to actually pray with you today, you wanna take it a step further, we've got people in the back that are in red shirts that would love to pray with you. But today, we're gonna practice the ongoing ethic of confession and repentance, why? Because until you're ready to reveal truth, you are not ready to receive God's grace. So Father, right now, I pray that you would give each of us a spirit of courage. For some people in this room, I know their hand is gonna be shaking as they write out whatever it is they need to write out. And so God, give them courage. Remind them on on the other side of whatever they're writing is forgiveness. On the other end of their failure is forgiveness. On the other end of their mistake is your mercy. On the other end of their shame is a savior. On the other end of their confession is the power of Jesus Christ. And so Father, I pray that you would give us a spirit of boldness and courage as we get this stuff out of us because we desperately need your healing. So Father, I'm gonna hand this over to you now. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit working in our midst as I speak. I pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. You can respond.